442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Hello and welcome to the 442 Insider podcast where we take you behind the scenes at football's greatest magazine. Today I'm joined by Trevor Trahan, Deputy Uh, Editor. Hello, that's right, got the first call out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Paul Hanson, Editor. And uh, some bloke called Andy Jackson. Janitor. (laughs) (laughs) The place does look a lot cleaner. Well done. Um, We're going to have a look at the uh, UEFA Champions League roundup. uh, Quarterfinal stage, four matches, and uh, a couple of hundingers in there. Uh, We'll have a look at the games we didn't quite see a lot of first, and then get on to the ones that we did, and we can wax lyrical on those. Uh, CSK Moscow against Inter Milan. Milan won 1-0 away, and they progressed 2-0 on aggregate. Mourinho, the first manager to lead three different teams to the Champions League semis. I've got another Mourinho Good fact. Research. Good I've, stat. I've, I've, got, nice. I've got another Mourinho fact. Now, this may not be true, making mm. it not a fact, but let's say it is a fact. <laughs> when, was, <laughs> when was the last time that Mourinho oversaw a home league defeat? Oh, interesting. You're saying month and a year. Well, I reckon it must have been with Porto in September 2006. <laughs> Did Chelsea not, not lose at home? I don't think they there. lost under him. Come on, Trev. Come it on, could, have been, could have been at the very start of Chelsea. It was 132 games ago. Yeah. He had 38 at Porto, 60 at Chelsea and 34 at Inter. And what was the date that he last lost? Then? Well... It says February 2000, but would he have not played more games of the last decade? Home games, though. Home games, yeah. Wow. Either either way, it's impressive. If he's gone a decade That's without losing... That is unbelievable. Home, yeah. stat, that is. You need to... Stat rat, you need to go and uh, just 100% check that. Can the reason why every game? The reason why it's not 100% is because it's on Wikipedia. Oh, oh, the old Wikipedia. And it hasn't got a source from elsewhere. It's just been put in there. But it is believable because he doesn't lose many yeah. home games, does he? So a good result for, for Milan, obviously, into, uh, into the semis again. And didn't... Moscow didn't really put up much of a fight, did they, on their plastic pitch? Yeah, I mean, he has turned sort of into Milan. I mean, Chelsea were known in his time at Chelsea as being the masters of the 1-0 win. And uh, he's turned into into that as well, which is uh, a very handy um, attribute to have in the Champions League. You know, if you can mm. go away and they did it at Chelsea in the last round and not concede away and nick one, then, um, then you're going to go far in the tournament. And Schneider's... Is is a quality player, mm. you know. I mean, how he found oh. himself on the outside. Oh, he's seen his wife. Quality yeah. wife, really? Oh, we were looking at pictures of him yesterday, and there are a couple of a couple of he's wife out pics. of this world. Absolutely, Google Wesley Snyder's wife, guys. <laughs> Definitely but anyway, worth it. on the pitch, he's quality as well. He's got some form on the pitch as well as off it. And he could be, you know, if they're going to go and upset Barcelona, then I think they'd be reliant on Schneider having uh, having two good games. Right, so Andy spoiled it now. Barcelona won the other game. <laughs> uh, but obviously they were in um, irresistible form and a certain young player called Lionel Messi tore, tore Arsenal apart. Tore Arsenal a new one. Um, to Indeed, use a prison the Lionel balance. Messi show. I mean, Arsenal had the nerve to go there and, and open the scoring and and at the time, I mean, we were talking in the office, were Arsenal a good bet at $7.50? And I was sort of like, and I was that close. 
Well, just in case. And then when they got that goal, I was like, oh, no, I should have done it. Yeah. And then Messi took over, didn't he? But oh, they yeah. had another chance at 1-0, didn't they? Where they had one chance where, um, where they could have got 2-0 up, but then um, it was just... I mean, they had a few chances throughout the game, to be fair, but you know that wasn't the problem, was it? It was stopping Messi, which the, mm. they just didn't get anywhere near. And he's, he's just his finishing was just unbelievable, wasn't it? It's just his, it's just his like his confidence in his own ability you know and we talk um about technique and you talk you hear it banded around a lot but each of those goals showed that he's master he's got a mastery of every technique you know his first goal was a you know a, a really solid strike got power behind it you know there was the little chip one on one finish having the 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 ability, you know the nerve and the confidence to do that and then there was still the touch for that one where it was laid back to him his first touch took it away from the defender mm-hmm. and he just took two touches and it's in you know whereas lesser players their first touch might have been directly in front of them and then the the defender's blocking it the path but his first touch took it away into the side and allowed him just to to stroke it in so he's just absolute unbelievable player yeah. uh, Wenger's comments were interesting because after we were saying last week that Messi was like a, a FIFA player uh, Wenger comments yeah. in is it was like watching a Playstation player mm. and it was at times yeah. I wonder if uh, Wenger plays Playstation I think then. he must, must, uh, must be up for that but um, we when must babysitting Theo Walcott yeah true a little game we're moving on from the Argentinian before we're guilty of some messy finishes, uh, waxing lyrical about him. Uh, going on to Bordeaux against Lyon. Bordeaux winning 1-0, but uh, Lyon progressing 3-2 on aggregate after a 3-1 win. Good maths there. Uh, in the first leg, uh, Bordeaux were facing an uphill task, really, weren't they? And, and Lyon, with the pedigree of having been in the Champions League, for several seasons uh, and getting that experience really showed through, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, interesting to see a French team through this. I mean, it's like Leon really got stuck into Bordeaux. I mean, half their team picked up yellow cards, five of them, or nearly half their team picked up yellows, and yeah, it could have gone uh, either way. And I, I think uh, Laurent Blanc, the Bordeaux manager at the end, came out and said that we didn't lose it in this leg, we lost it in the first leg, um, which, which is probably a fair point, but I suppose it's just interesting to see how they'll fare against Bayern. He's mm. done a great job there, though, Blanc. You know, yeah, he's one of the rising stars, and I, I, I've given how unpopular Dominic is. You know, I think we, you know, you could be looking at the next, um, the next French national team manager, or potentially given his relationship with Ferguson, the next Man United manager. Mm. Yeah, I mean Bordeaux fans will be looking at as a, as maybe their one chance to to get anything really when you consider Blanc going elsewhere. And the final game, Manchester United three, Bayern Munich two. And Bayern Munich progressing on away goals for all. Uh, what a fantastic match! Had yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean Ferguson. You know, obviously, you know, went for it. No, you know, people were, were really fit enough to to stay on the bench. No, he was fit. You know, fit enough to start. Which you know, I think most non-Man United supporting England fans were like, oh god. You know, and then when he twisted it. It's like, oh. mm. But what happened with that? Because he twisted his left and then he held his right and nah. then he limped for a bit. Go back and watch it again because I don't think he was injured at all. I think that was... I think Ferguson had asked him to do that. Watch oh, it again because he... Nah, he, he twists his ankle. No, I'm not talking in the first leg when he injured himself. Yeah. I'm talking about you know, this leg. When he goes in for the challenge, he, he seems to sort of fall on one foot but then grab the other, limp around for no, a bit I and then he's it was fine. his right ankle that he twisted. Right. He, no, no, it was. That's yeah. the one that's injured. But after he started limping around, it was his left that he'd fallen on a bit. And I thought well, that, maybe that was the one he was injured. Oh, I think it's all a go, bit early for you, Trev. Go, <laughs> go back and I'll watch have it. Have another look. 
But yeah, I mean, Ferguson, you know, a few changes, particularly from the game against Chelsea, you know, brought in Raphael, which up until the sending off worked. You know, I, God forbid Gary Neville trying to take on Frank Ribery. Mm. Um, you know, Neville has still got stuff to offer going forward. You know, he's was a it good a cross for the ball. Off? Oh, absolutely. Second yellow. I mean, the right first the... one was silly. You know, yeah. the first one was frustration because he didn't get the free kick and then he, you know, so, but it probably was a yellow card. Um, but the second one was harsh. And they were doing it, you know, the, the Ferguson quality comment, typical German, has come out and said, but it is, it, it's the one thing that really winds me up. I can take forward sort of milking free kicks and that's part of the game. But when people are waving imaginary yeah. cards at the ref and deliberately going to intimidate the ref to send off an unprofessional. And Ribery did it straight away. Straight away up, in, in such a critical game. I just think that's... Yeah, it's below the belt. Don't you know? I'd, rather, I'd, rather, I'd like to see a rule come in where if you wave an imaginary card, you get a real one wave back. Because it's just... It's just not, but 3-0 nice. up. 3-0 up at home. The tie's like, dead, isn't it? Really? No, well, you say that, but the thing is, like, as, as Bayern been. Munich proved, like, it's that tricky time because one goal then puts them right back in it. Mm. It's the goal for half-time, They, needed, time, they only it? needed then to get one more goal at any point during the game, even if it was the 93rd minute, as we've seen United do before when yeah. Mourinho took Porto there and they, they got an injury-time winner to go through on away goals. It's such a dangerous score because you think it's in the bad, but then all of a sudden one goal switches the momentum completely, and that's what we saw in this game. Was that, you know, and then the sending off, the, bus, the Bayern Munich players looked at each other and said, well, we're never going to have a better chance of mm. this. We only need one. We don't need to win the game. And Trev, yeah. what what a goal to win it. Well, I was going to say, Robin's got... I mean, that as far as technique and how difficult it is to score goals like that, it doesn't get much harder. Mm. Scolzi scored a similar one, didn't he, a few years ago, straight from the corner. Yeah. Um, and, and this one was But just you could see good. him turn his body. Yeah. As soon as the ball was in the air, it was planned to go to him yeah. and he just hit it around that defender and it kept the goalkeeper the on side. The when you see that, that ball and it's spinning and then as soon as he hits it, it just stops and stays straight, and the, you see the stars just go all yeah. the way. And any any closer into the goal, and Van der Zaal would have saved it. Yeah. I mean, Van der Zaal covered a lot of ground, but yeah, fantastic goal. And a good celebration as well. He can't. He, he was almost surprised. He didn't really really know what to do. It was like it was. Well, I think the thing was, I think he'd actually copped a rollicking from a couple of his own players on the lead up to the goal. Because he was a bit, as he has the tendency to do, he was a pretty selfish player. Mm-hmm. He went through, and there were two players that he could have squared the ball to, and he didn't, and he shot. And it went, that was what they got the corner from. And I think he was, he was half sort of saying, you know, there you go, shut up, lads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sort of just put us in the semi finals. Well, we'll leave the previews uh, of the semi finals to uh, nearer when the games are, but um, it's uh, Bordeaux against, uh, no, sorry, Leon against Bayern Munich and uh, Barcelona against Inter Milan. So when, there's, uh, when was the last time there wasn't an English team in the semi final? Four years ago, five years ago? Yeah, some, yeah something like that. Because we've had two Liverpool Chelsea's and uh, Man United have obviously been in two consecutive finals before that. But I mean, not in the semis. Yeah. It's not an English team in the semi-finals. It must be quite a long time. Yeah, yeah. It'd, be, it'd be a massive surprise not to see Barcelona go on and win that. I suppose it's it's Mourinho versus Messi, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was the uh, UEFA Champions League roundup. But join us after the break when we'll be looking at uh, some of the best Australian news from the week in football from our website, au.442.com. Go! 
Love to support your favourite soccer team on and off the pitch? Well, listen up, because whether you follow Manchester United or Melbourne Victory, Rebel Sport's got all the gear you need. Now you can grab your team colours and wear them with pride with Rebel's massive English Premier League and A-League jersey sale. Grab selected men's jerseys from just $99.99. That's a saving of up to $40. Show your pride on and off the pitch this year. Hurry into Rebel Sport or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and get yourself a bargain before stocks run out. The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination. Welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast and after some uh, general ribbing of uh, Andy Jackson off air about uh, Birmingham closing in on Aston Villa, uh, we're going to go into some of the news from our website au.442.com which you as listeners obviously know about as you wouldn't be listening to us if you didn't. Uh, First story up this week was um, Fergie out at Fury and joining Glory. Ian Ferguson has ended speculation over his future as coach at North Queensland Fury by confirming his move to Perth Glory as Dave Mitchell's number two. Bit of a shock. Uh, I, I know that you said yesterday, uh, last week, sorry, sorry Trev, yeah. that um, you thought that Fergie had done a fantastic job considering the team he had. But so, I think so. A shock that he's gone or, or just with all the behind-the-scenes stuff you know, you, to be expected. It, it's probably not a shock because we've been hearing so much about it over the last couple of weeks. I mean, if it had come out of the blue, I think it would have been a shock based on his performances last season. And it just seems strange that, you know, a manager who's done well over a whole season has had a little riff with a star player who isn't a 21-year-old star player that's going to stay there. You know, it, it's an older guy. Uh, that You know, that's what maybe allegedly, one of the main reasons why he's moving on. So I think that that's quite harsh and... I hope he does a good job at Perth, and I hope Fury finish bottom. Yeah, but I, also, I mean, I also think that that with you know the FFA are sort of running things up there at the moment till the the local sort of consortium either gets its act together or doesn't. And I guess if you're if you're Ian Ferguson, you would probably think that they would have had a word with him by now and said you're going to be in charge next year. Um, and they obviously haven't done that, so yes, he's looking after himself. You know, he's he's probably read the writing on the wall that. He's not part of their plans. Whether it ends up being foul or not, who mm. knows? But I think he's probably looked at that and thought, well, pre-season starting in a couple of weeks, you know, for those, for a lot of the teams, so I need to be somewhere and settled. And also, you know, these, you know, this isn't the English Premier League. You know, as we see him with some of the Fury guys coming out, who who are, are you know are uncertain over their futures. They got years to run on the contract, or whatever. Is you know, this isn't the English Premier League. They're not multi multi millionaires. Mm. You know, people have got families and people who, you know, if there's uncertainty and the, the FFA aren't confirming his position, then fair play to him going and finding somewhere that is. And a good move for Glory, picking up, uh, you know, someone who's a, a proven coach in the A-League, both um, previously at Central Coast and now uh, and at Fury. So, um, you know, Mitch has got to be very happy to have Fergie there, hasn't he? I think so, yeah. And, and now the speculation starts on who's going to end up at Fury and obviously the names that have come forward have, have been Fowler and then Frank Farina's another one mm. um, I really I, I can't see the FFA employing Frank Farina <laughs> yeah, given true, the, yeah. the, the, the nature of his dismissal from, from Queensland I, I just think it would send all the wrong messages and I hope they look a bit further afield than Farina and Cosmina and, you know, but also on the Fergie thing just one more point is maybe he's had a look at it as a season and decided that he's not ready to be a, 
head coach yet. Yep. You know, and if he can't deal with things like the Robbie Fowles, maybe he still needs to do a bit more groundwork at, as a number two. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and if that's the case, then I'd say fair play to him for that. One uh, plus point for the Fury is that uh, striker David Williams says he wants to remain in Townsville um, and help make the fractured team a force again. Um, there's reports that he's had some offers from some other clubs but turned them down and he's willing to listen to, to the Fury and, and see whether they can nut out uh, some kind of deal. Um, guys, what do you think about that? Williams obviously probably didn't get as big a run as... Uh, or as he would have liked, or the team, because uh, he came in with quite a big reputation, didn't he? Um, but he, when he was on, he, he did seem to make quite a, an impact, didn't he, Andy? Yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's uh, he sort of looks and plays a little bit like Carlos Tevez. You know, he's that sort of busy <laughs> yeah. player up front, and um, and say he, he had a bit of a run like, with injuries, and then was in and out of the side. But certainly, he's got he's got ability. He's only twenty two. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I think Fury going to need some players there that, that do want to stick around. So I think it's good that um, that he has come out and said that he's willing to stay. And he's on loan from Danish club uh, Bromby. Mm-hmm. Um, we chatted to him, didn't we, at the um, at the did, He's a nice guy, and, really nice guy. Yeah. Um, in terms of a player, he he's a very raw talent. You know, he needs quite a few more games before he figures out exactly the sort of player he's going to be but he could be a perfect foil for Fowler if they got the two of them working well together you know younger quicker chasing down people you know is what Williams can do and then Fowler can go through the middle for the goals so mm. well talking a little bit about a uh, raw talent elsewhere oh, yeah I was hoping it. I was hoping that Trev could have ended that a little bit shorter so people would have got it more but um yes <laughs> Brisbane Raw have uh, well been dealt, dealt a huge blow. It says uh, from our website, but they've uh, obviously they've lost uh, three key young players. Uh, Tommy Orr, Michael Zulo, and Adam Sorota have all signed multi-year contracts with FC Utrecht in um, the Netherlands. Um, that's going to be a big deal for for Brisbane, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great news. I'm- I'm not a Brisbane Raw fan, and I wonder what some of the Raw fans say. But I think even if you are a Raw fan, you still need to be pleased that this has happened because um, I'm not sure it's the best way to word this, but the Socceroos and the development of the future Socceroos is more important than the A League, and the A League can only be seen as um, something to develop these guys to a certain standard. But you know, we really want future Socceroos, and you know, going over to somewhere like that, providing they get the support that we assume they're going to get, is, is good news. It's it's strange that. Three players are all going to one club, isn't it? The, the yeah, I always find that a bit the... odd when you get sort of like you know, sort of, you know batches of players go to clubs because I always wonder how much sort of research has actually been done or whether they've all got the same agent. Yeah, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I was surprised at the length of the contracts as well. You know, Tommy all signed five years. That's mm. a mm. that's a long deal, you know. And and even Zulo and Zarotta like three years each. So yeah, I. I Wish them well, um, but again, yeah, you know, it does leave Raw with a with a big hole to fill. Definitely, yeah. and, and lost all the experienced players as well, didn't they? Yeah, last lost season. all the young ones. Yeah. So um, we did a little bit of research, didn't we, about um, Utrecht? Found out something quite <laughs> interesting for a pot of possible interview with the boys. Uh, yeah, tell tell us. Utrecht has got Europe's only Australian Aboriginal art museum. 
Not sure if that sort of swung the deal for them, but... Could be. They might be uh, big art lovers. <laughs> but we're talking about the, the, the Brisbane Raw losing pretty much everyone. Uh, Angie's certainly getting his, his wish of being able to stamp his own authority on, on, on his team and bring in his own players. He probably didn't think it would be this much, did he? Having to bring in a whole squad. Uh, and I, I mean, the interesting thing that I saw as well was that it was, this was the sort of deal that was originally brokered by Frank Farina when he was in charge or something. And, and right. it all went through whilst Ange was in Greece. So yeah. how much he knew about it or how much he was consulted about it, I guess that remains to be seen. But. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's got a tough job in his hands and said this point before, but Queensland is rich for good young players and, and that's what he's going to have to look for, I reckon. Yeah. Now, another interesting story that came out on the website is uh, Melbourne Victory sweating on some Asian Champions League fines. Uh, seems as though the AFC have gone to town in um, fining clubs involved in the ACL or, or Asian clubs across the across the range for a various uh, variety of misdemeanours. So the AFC have got a sort of end of your dinner coming up. right. <laughs> 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 How can we get this paid for? Definitely, definitely. Let's just come up with some like a list of fines. Nothing too major, but if we find enough people, it'll add up. So Melbourne have been uh, fined for a bizarre incident that saw the referee blinded by a laser in their match against uh, Beijing Guan in February at the Beijing Workers uh, Stadium. And that's, that's a Chinese club. And that's seen the Chinese club that, fine. Yeah. But Melbourne have yet to, to find out if any action has been taken over their failure to provide a completely advertising and sponsor-free stadium when they lost to Sengnam Ilwa at Etihad. Uh, if you remember that there was a massive freak storm in Melbourne just two days before that game, and the club says that their clean-up operation made it impossible to remove every mention of a sponsor from around the ground. But, lads, there were also some other uh, interesting finds that we listed. Apparently, Al-Sad Futsal team goal coaching uh, coach Vayaz Poor has been sent off and he's been warned to behave himself in future matches. Um, obviously, really big news there. But um, there were some other uh, fantastic finds. Which one was your favourite, Andy? Um, there's a couple actually. I quite like the uh, the Football Federation of Kyrgyz Republic. Now, first of all, I need to go and actually Google where that is because I've got no idea. Um, <laughs> let alone that they were part of the AFC. Yeah. But they've been warned for withhold- withdrawing its team from the AFC Under 13 Girls Festival of Football. You've got to take that sort of stuff seriously, yeah. Yeah. haven't you? I mean, yeah. if, if Girls Festival of Football is not looked after, it's the it's the pyramid. Exactly. That's not being I mean, there were some other ones here, though, uh, and uh, the Japanese Football Association have been fined because their players wore sponsor jerseys during the warm-up. Of their match against Bahrain. A few, yeah. few guys got done for religious slogans on their shirts, but a lot well, of did they? Uh, did the AFC employ someone to be at every game making notes of all these little misdemeanours? Probably the party organizer. Who's policing the police? But Syrian club Al Itti had fined five thousand US dollars as their team manager and media officer did not attend the workshop. Well, there's a, there's a lot of fines for people not attending the workshops. <laughs> yeah, so it like, was really it was probably worth Syrian five club, grand to Maldivian get out. Maldivian club, Indonesian club, Kuwait, which sort of says to the AFC. Have a look at your workshops because they're obviously crap because no one wants to come. Maybe the lunch isn't very good. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, another story broken by Aidan, uh, who is a regular pod member and our uh, website guru, is that um, th- there's looking to be a, a Spanish Armada trying their luck in the A League. Uh, if they come by boat, they'll definitely get in and get a permit. Get a visa. <laughs> or be thrown over the edges, probably, with this government or the previous government. Um, 
But one Aussie player who's spent almost a decade plying his trade in Spain, uh, Jose Bello Amigo Serrans. Uh, he's returned Sorry, to... Yeah, that on an A-League shirt. Exactly. Uh, he's got to have some kind of little nickname, hasn't he? Bello. Like, uh, yeah, or Jose or Joe or something. Um, hi to you, Jose, if you're listening, hopefully. Yeah. Um, he returned to Sydney last year to join Marconi in the New South Wales Premier League, and he believes that uh, many more Spanish players could be coming over to try their luck. Um, it, it's probably a country or a nation that's been untapped in in uh, coming over to Australia, isn't it? We, we haven't really looked at the the kind of Spanish market before. Do you think there's any reasons that are we uh, blinded by the Dutch or the Brazilian a bit too much? No, I just th- I th- I think it might you know the the whole sort of you know global financial crisis and the, and the ongoing fallout from that and the fact that you know there is getting this increasing disparity in football between the rich clubs and and the rest mm. and you know I think we're seeing it in the championship I think we're seeing that there aren't ridiculous wages being thrown around by clubs that aren't in that you know real top tier and I think for for sort of you know growing leagues developing leagues like the A league that's a benefit because more players are going to be within their reach from a from a wage perspective mm. you know as we've seen with the likes of Paul Eiffel coming from playing 30 odd games in the championship to coming to Wellington Phoenix and, and excelling. So I think we'll see that. I think, you know, South Americans we sort of know about because I think their their domestic leagues have, have never been that well paid. Um, so they've always fed talent everywhere. But I think we've seen more, we'll see increasingly second tier European leagues being within the reach of um, of A-League teams, which, mm. is, which is good news. I especially think after the World Cup in which Spain will probably win inevitably win you know based on inevitably I, I, can't, I can't that rat's going for it <clears throat> I can't I can't see anyone touching them other than Brazil but I still think Spain will Spain will do Brazil but that's a discussion for another day that will you know sort of rise the stock of Spanish players and you've had a market getting Spanish players over so we'll either end up with some decent Spanish talent or probably a load of rubbish Spanish players we've got over just because the Spanish national team's really good. Yeah, and one thing that Aidan did know is that last year, and it goes to the point that Andy was making, seven clubs disappeared um, from the Segunda Division B. So um, Aidan's noted in his piece that it means a number of Spanish players will probably be looking for uh, new clubs. So whether that means, as you said, Trev, great talent or a, or a bunch of uh, rubbish yeah. will we'll soon to be seen. Well, that's all the, all the time we've got for in this section, looking at the news from our website. But join us after the break when we talk to rising Adelaide United star Matthew Leckie. The new issue of 442 is on sale now. This month we take a look at the toughest job in football in our special Strikers edition. There are exclusive interviews with Premier League hotshots Wayne Rooney and Fernando Torres, Socceroos frontmen Harry Kuehl and Josh Kennedy, as well as last season Bundesliga top scorer Graffite and Man United legend Andy Cole. We also take a look at the changing role of the striker, look at the mad season when Romario and Stoichkov ruled Barca and get a look at the new Socceroos away kit with Jason Kalina. If it's in the game, it's in 4-4-2. On sale now. The 4-4-2 Insider. Brought to you in association with Rebel Sport. Your football destination. Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast. I'm now joined by Adelaide United Rising Star Matthew Leckie. How are you doing, Matthew? How are yourself? I'm very well, thanks. Um, look, first of all, Matthew, congratulations on winning our Young Player of the Season award recently. Um, you've gone from you know, A-League breakthrough to getting called into Pim Socceroos squad, so it's been quite a season for you. Did you expect to get as much game time for Adelaide this season as you got? 
Ah, uh, not at all. Um, when I first came to the club, um, I came as a first-team contracted player, but um, I was originally just supposed to be training with the uh, first team and be uh, playing my season throughout the youth team. But um, they gave me a chance um, for the first team, and I guess Utah took it, and yeah, it's just gone forward from there. So I've been able to get some heaps of game time through the first team. Sure, I mean, what's been your highlight of the season? Probably just the season, just going, coming to Adelaide, getting an um, offer for them to sign me, um, and then, yeah, just obviously taking that offer, um, playing a while, and uh, being able to seal a spot in the first team. Sure, I mean, a good year for you personally, but a slightly tougher one for Adelaide. Was it hard for you to have your debut year playing in an Adelaide side that was struggling? Um, there's, uh, not necessarily. There's, um, there's some um, positive and negatives in that. Obviously, um, having a bad season is n- never good, but um, you could say maybe if they were having a great season that I never would have got the opportunity. So maybe because it was such a bad se- season, they gave me the chance to um, play and uh, it's sort of come off for me. Well, we've seen you kind of play out front or in a more attacking midfield role. Well, what do you consider your best position? I think myself, uh, personally, I'm a right winger. Um, I've always played on the wing and uh, just throughout the ACL um, campaign I've been playing there as well. But um, yeah, I did play um, striker throughout the A-League a bit and I have played striker before um, in previous clubs, but it's um, really just wherever um, Vidi wants to uh, position me. Obviously, I'm happy to play in the team, with it, depending on what, what position I'm playing in. Sure, I mean, you, you mentioned the ACL there. I mean, Adelaide have gone from the bottom of the A-League to the top of their ACL group. What do you think's triggered that turnaround? Um, I don't know. Uh, obviously, Adelaide played uh, really, really good in the um, Champions League last year. Um, they can run us up. So I think maybe it's um, that they know the experience of the um, Champions League and they know how to come up against the Asian clubs. So maybe that's just a turnaround. And uh, I think uh, the team... Um, personally, just um, we've uh, picked up some two good players, uh, Michael Flores and Sergio Van Dyke, and uh, we've also got Nigel Bugard and uh, Adam Griffiths. So I think just them players coming into the squad's helped a lot as well. Yeah, I mean Van Dyke's clearly a, a fantastic signing. How, how has he settled in? Yeah, he's settled in really well. Um, you know, obviously all the boys at the club are uh, pretty down-to-earth guys, so he's been um, welcome to the club really well so he's found his feet I think and uh, yeah he's just uh, sort of still getting used to the way um, Adelaide and I play yeah, he scored a goal so that's good and yeah I think he's doing really well Sure I mean um, we mentioned the new signings in terms of this ACL turnaround do you think it's been an advantage that you haven't been part of the A-League's finals because that's given you a little bit of a rest going in whereas Melbourne have had to put up with finals football as well as the ACL um, obviously, playing more games is always tougher. Uh, but uh, it's, I don't know. Um, Adelaide you know, had to do it last year, and they still did well in ACL. So I guess um, if you be able to play A League finals and play ACL, you've just got to um, bear with it and just uh, do your best. I guess we saw recently the the Brisbane trio go over to the Netherlands, and there's often you know pressure on young players like yourself to go overseas at the first opportunity. What's your plan on that? Front. Yeah, um, I heard that the other day that um, the three boys from Brisbane uh, went over to the FC Utrecht, I think it was, and uh, yeah, it's obviously a great thing for them. Um, personally, um, obviously, my goal is to go overseas one day, and uh, I'm not really thinking about that at the moment. I'm just uh, 
looking at the ACL and uh, hopefully, hopefully we can do well in that and uh, you know maybe in a year or two or if anything comes up I'll um, have a look at going overseas. Sure I mean have Pim or Aurelio advise you directly on, on where your future should lie how long you should stay in the A-League before going over? Um, not really. Um, I've spoken to Pin Pin a little bit about it, and he said that um, you're going to have to go overseas at once, some stage, because uh, you're a good player and you need to learn a lot more things. And I think technically, um, going overseas, you'll learn that a lot more easier and better. Getting coached by our coaches and just being in a better environment of better players. So it's still um, a goal that I want to um, accomplish soon, and uh, hopefully I can. Sure, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. What's Vidi said? Because obviously he doesn't want to uh, lose you as a player, but he obviously wants to see you progress at the same time. Has he said anything to you about the move over? Um, no, he's never. He hasn't said anything about moving overseas. Um, he's said that um, I've got um, talent, and um, you know, he just wants to work with me and um, wants me to do well in the A League and um, have a couple of good seasons in first team football. And then, yeah, I don't know, maybe soon see what happens. Sure, OK. I mean, on to that Socceroos call-up. Um, how did you hear about it that you'd made the uh, squad for the Indonesia game in Brisbane? Um, I got a call from the manager, Gary, and uh, he uh, gave me a call and just let me know that I had made the squad. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, that was, I think, three or four days before I left, so that's how I found out. Sure. I mean, how shocked were you? Had you considered the prospects of making that squad? No, I actually never thought of it. Um, there was a couple of people that said that there was a chance, but um, I just didn't really um, think about it that much. And uh, yeah, when I got the call, obviously I was um, happy. Uh, it's a great thing to be able to be called up for the Socceroos. And uh, yeah, it was good to be able to train with uh, probably, you could say, the best of the A-League and a couple of boys from overseas. Mm. So it was a good experience. Sure, I mean, how would you describe that experience in the Socceroos camp? What do you think you learned in that short time? Um, just, um, well, you just learn um, just all different things. The way um, positions are played, um, the way um, a um, national coach um, has thoughts about um, formations and the way they play and uh, just little things in the way he tells you what to do in your position and stuff like that. So just little things like that help, help you throughout your career and uh, you pick up on little things like that. Sure, OK. And you find it, were you disappointed not to get a run out in that game? Were you hoping you might get on? Oh, no. Nah, I wasn't really disappointed because um, I originally never thought I was going to go across. But um, it was just a good experience to be able to train with all the boys. Um, I never got picked, but that's fine. And, um, yeah, it was just great experience and I'll move on come back here and do well in the ACL sure excellent great stuff cheers for chatting to the 442 Insider podcast today Matthew no worries thanks for that love to support your favourite soccer team on and off the pitch well listen up because whether you follow Manchester United or Melbourne Victory Rebel Sports got all the gear you need now you can grab your team colours and wear them with pride with Rebel's massive English Premier League and A-League jersey sale grab selected men's jerseys from just $99.99 that's a saving of up to $40 show your pride on and off the pitch this year hurry into Rebel Sport or shop online at rebelsport.com.au and get yourself a bargain before stocks run out The 442 Insider, brought to you in association with Rebel Sport, your football destination.
Welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast and we're into the last section now. That was um, our Young Player of the Year, Matthew Leckie, talking to Trevor. But now we're going to go and have a look at the um, English Premier League, review the games uh, from last weekend and uh, possibly preview a couple of the big matches that are going to be taking place over the weekend. Lads, what was the the one game that stood out for you um, in this week's uh, raft um, of games? Well, we were just talking about it before we came back on air and it, it's probably the... The Liverpool Birmingham game for for a couple of reasons. One was obviously Liverpool spurring a chance to uh, to sort of put themselves back in the hunt for fourth place, but probably more is you had that probably the biggest indication yet that Benitez is sort of losing the the trust and the support of his key players there, which you know up until now they've always come out and supported him, but I think Gerrard's the look on Gerrard's face and the obvious sort of surprise and questioning of Benitez's decision when he took Torres off at one all was the you know the biggest indicator yet that the players are losing confidence in him which is generally the end of the road for a manager if, if people like Steven Gerrard and Torres don't agree with your decisions then mm. you're not going to stay there for long um, yeah and and that you know you're taking the one of the best strikers in the world off when you want all and you need a win and you're not still in Europe well you are still in Europe but you know he's um you know, you're not in the Champions League, you're in the second tier competition. Mm. You're trying to get back into the Champions League. Even if you win the Europa Cup, that doesn't get you back into the Champions League. Fourth place gets you into the Champions League. And it, I, it was a surprise to me that he was probably prioritising the Euro- Europa Cup as it's a chance, I guess, to win something. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, Torres is one of those players that even if he's not playing well, when, as I know, as a Villa fan, just over Christmas break, Torres did nothing for 94 minutes and then won the game in the 94th minute with one chance. Yeah, you know, and that's why you need him on the pitch. Yeah. Have uh, Liverpool really got a chance of getting that fourth spot now, or is it uh, is it out of their reach, Trev? No, I don't think so. It's out of their reach. I mean, City are playing really well. Um, Tottenham are, are going to right themselves despite a, a really tough set of fixtures they've got coming up. But I mean, we'll get onto the, the Man United. Chelsea game in a minute I'm sure mm. but that Man City game you know I know it was only Burnley but they were away from home to Burnley and just you know that Adebayor Bellamy Tevez and, and Johnson the four of them surging forward you know was a pretty impressive side but yeah. Burnley kept making these stupid mistakes mainly square balls across the it back it's just schoolboy <laughs> it's like the one thing that you drill in to players at any age is just if you're going to turn and play it inside make sure that you look first and they didn't do it. They, just, yeah. they were just playing them blind and they just kept getting picked off. But I still think Liverpool are in it. I still think any of the four chasing it. I still think Man City, Tottenham, Liverpool and Villa, any of those could still finish fourth because I think there's a lot of games. Like Man City has still got to go to Arsenal. They've still got to play Man United. Um, you know, I still think there's going to be a lot of twists and turns yet. I think if you look at uh, the, the run-in, it's Tottenham who are probably going to f- be the one that falls the, the hardest, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, there's the... five points between Man City in fourth and Villa in seventh. You know, so that's 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 one of the teams winning and the other team, the team up the top losing. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's going to be the difference. And then, So I, I still think it's going to go down to the last day of the season, which would be great. It would be great if the, 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 champ, you know, the, the championship and the, la- the fourth place went down to the last mm. game. Well, moving, uh, moving a, a few places up the table... Uh, 1v2 was uh, last week and it was uh, Manchester United against Chelsea Chelsea coming out victors 2-1 away from home a couple of controversial goals um, but a fair result in the end do we think? Yeah I thought it was I thought Chelsea were were you know a good distance better than Man United Ferguson went for the experience card 
playing um, Skulls and, and Neville and it didn't really work for him. They looked pretty leggy. Jason mm-hmm. Park seems to have sort of dropped off the pace a bit when he was looking really strong, particularly in the bigger games. He's, he's always tended to come up with an important goal for him. He, he didn't really do anything and obviously Berbatov's taken a bit of a cane in because simply because he's not Wayne Rooney. But, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but certainly his attitude and the fact that he doesn't chase everything down like Rooney does makes it look like he's not trying I'm not I'm pre- I think it's pretty unfair that every centre forward should be compared to Rooney but mm. but yeah it looked like a on paper it was Chelsea's game wasn't it you, when you when I saw the two starting lineups and then you saw Chelsea's compared to Man United it just looked like such a strong team for Chelsea didn't it yeah I, I just thought that Man U's home advantage might get them over the line or, or at least get them a point which still would have been a reasonable result because it, it kept them at the top I mean it's not all over Chelsea have got a two point lead and a better goal difference by four goals but they've still got to go away to Tottenham and away to Liverpool mm. so that they're, they're two tough games and you know I think everyone that's been in the title race this season well Chelsea, Man U and Arsenal have been brittle at times and uh, have got the ability to, to still slip up so Providing someone can string together the results, I still don't think. I don't think Arsenal about it, to be honest, because they've got these, you know, the easiest running. But I still, I think Chelsea will do enough to just get over the line. Yeah, and uh, at the bottom end of the table, uh, West Ham showing some fighting spirit. Trev, you're you're a yeah. beloved West Ham. Twice, time, eh? twice that, coming yeah. from behind. It's, it, it's strange how you can be so pleased by a point when you're in a situation where you really need three, but we'd lost six on the spin, and not only have we lost, every time we conceded, the heads went down and we just rolled over. So, yeah, a, a good good bit of fight to, to go you know, two, two one down with five minutes remaining and then mm. pick up a point. Big game home to Sunderland this, this week, which we'll probably lose because Sunderland are on quite good form. Yeah, and that, that saw you jump out of the relegation zone, didn't it? So. No, no, we, we were out on goal difference anyway. Um, oh, okay. It just gave us an, an extra point of... Of, of breathing space but Hull have got home to, to Burnley next week when it'd be a massive surprise if they can't turn over Burnley so West Ham are going to have to beat Sunderland to, to keep their heads above water Yeah. now uh, moving on to the games over the weekend uh, the big two is FA Cup semi-finals uh, Aston Villa <laughs> against Chelsea on Saturday or the early hours of Sunday in Australia probably say West Ham Sunderland's the big game <laughs> yeah, right. and Tottenham against Portsmouth on uh, Monday morning Australian time uh, Aston Villa Chelsea how, how uh, are you feeling about that Andy? well I mean after the 7-1 battering last weekend I think I'd probably just be glad of, uh, of not having a repeat of that humiliation I mean the only hope that we've got is that Chelsea think they only have to turn up to win after that result um, and Villa obviously will have points to prove all over the park I think I don't think there was a player on the pitch that play well in that Chelsea game so Villa will look at it and think we know we can play a lot better than that we've beaten them at home um, it's a one-off game uh, I just hope that I think the only hope Villa have got the, the problem with, with, with Villa is that when they, they play with two wingers two out-and-out wingers in Ashley Young and, and Stuart Downing and arguably three wingers because they're playing with James Milner in the middle of midfield and that's great sometimes when, when you're playing teams on the counter-attack but when you're playing teams like Chelsea who are so strong through the middle of the park um, it leaves us a little bit lightweight so I hope that what he does and it's a big call is I hope he actually goes with Agbonlahor on his own up front and plays Fabian Delph in midfield and drops John Carew and so just for the first sort of hour and almost having that five in midfield knowing that Ashley Young and Stuart Downing will bomb forward as will Milner but it just gives that extra bit of cover in midfield with, with Delph who's young quick gets around makes tackles 
Um, I just think that's probably Villa's only chance. And then if it's still at nil-nil in the second half, then maybe he has a chance to throw an extra player up front with Carew. But, mm. You say not start Carew, keep him on the bench. Yeah. I mean, he's been in great goal-scoring form. Yeah, though. he has. He has, but I just think... No, I just think that, that I don't think we can go with the same formation that got battered seven-one because I think it exposed us through the middle of the park. And Carew, not dissimilar to Berbatov, is doesn't work across the line, doesn't work the defenders. He's he very much comes to life when he gets the ball. Um, and I think for the first hour, you know, certainly for the first twenty minutes, I think it's massively important that Villa don't concede and they, you know they keep themselves in the tie as long as possible. Mm. As for the other semi, Tottenham against Portsmouth. Um, Tottenham who've, who've been playing relatively well this season but they've got um, a few injuries uh, over the last few games but Portsmouth are a team in turmoil can they use that to their advantage and all pull together or do you think Tottenham will be a little bit too strong for them Trev? Portsmouth are going to be up for this not just because it's an FA Cup semi but they're going to want to give back something to their fans after you know the, the season that they've suffered and they've got some decent players in there Tottenham should run out winners because they've got a better team they've got Defoe back now but Tottenham, as I'm sure you know, Paul, are one of those teams that can throw up, you know, the odd strange result the other way around, aren't they? Literally throw up. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. The... yeah, and they are susceptible to, you know, being in in an FA Cup semi and losing to a team bottom of the league mm. to not make the final. That said, I still think they probably will, but it, it'll be a close game. There'll be one goal in it, I reckon. There's also the alley edge of old Harry, yeah, managing against his former team. I'm not sure who that will motivate more with it motivate Portsmouth or will it motivate Harry to uh, to get one over well most of Portsmouth are now playing for Tottenham yeah, so it exactly. doesn't really matter now exactly. so uh, all the players playing for Portsmouth now probably. Well, I just hope they've sorted the pitch out there because the pitch at Wembley has been awful the last few games it's yeah. not far off some of the crap we get over here but um, so hopefully they've sorted that out and we get a decent surface and in the Premier League obviously Trevor Mes- mentioned West Ham against Sunderland uh, but some of the big sides have potential banana skins Man United are away to Blackburn Liverpool are at home to Fulham, who are obviously playing well. Fulham under Roy are terrible Hodgson. away from home, though. Yeah, Absolutely yeah they are actually. And Man City are playing Birmingham, who are you know not not easy beats. But you'd expect all three of the the big teams to to, to win those ones, wouldn't you? At this stage in the season, where where points are of a premium. Yeah, probably the only one that I'd say might might be vulnerable in that is is United at Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Just how they bounce back from this morning's result. And Blackburn have got a good record at home. You know, tough side to break down, particularly at home. So I think that that might be a challenge. That'd be one of those games where I think Man United could drop points. Not saying they'll lose, but I think that you know that could easily end up one all, um, which again gives the other the you know the chasing pack, you know, Arsenal chance to uh, yeah they go ahead of them for Arsenal win. So. I, th- I think Man U have got to win all five of their games from the run in. I, d- I don't think they can afford another slip up because I can't see Chelsea giving much more away. Yeah. Great stuff, lads. That's uh, all we've got time for in this edition of the 442 Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening and uh, join us next week for more football action. See you then. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.